Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Friday, January the 20th, 2023 at 11.09 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus, 1954 meets 2023. 1954 meets 2023. Now, I cannot speak for everyone who is listening. There may be some of you who was alive in 1954, so you may have more of a connection with this. For the rest of us, we can only read about 1954. We were not alive. We were nowhere close to being alive, but we can read about 1954, and I hope this will be interesting. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a seven-point conclusion that was written in a book in 1954. We're going to look at their seven-point conclusion that they wrote in 1954, and we will see how we'll, we'll basically allow those seven point, that seven-point conclusion to meet 2023. We'll see how these two uh, connect, how they relate. Does it feel like that what was written in 1954 could be written in 2023? And I, I think it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. We were, we're not going to make it through all seven points because today's focus is supposed to be about 15 minutes long, right? I'm supposed to just kind of give you one thing to focus on. So that's what we'll do. But over the next couple of days, ever how long it takes us, uh, for every Today's Focus podcast episode, we'll be looking at these seven points written in 1954, and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to hear from people who may would have been alive in 1954 versus people who weren't alive in 1954, but going like, wow, that could have been written today. And, and here's a, at least this is interesting to me, right? And sometimes maybe it frustrates me. I sometimes feel like, and 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 I hope I don't offend anybody. But there's a, a way of thinking that sometimes older people have that bothers me greatly, right? And it's almost this romanticized view of the past. Well, back in my day, it was better. Back in my day, we were like, it's always, it always treats the past in this romanticized way that I don't think sometimes is very accurate. Well, man, look at how the world is falling apart. Look at how bad it is. Because in the past, it was so much better. And I'm like, oh, in the past when, wait, I don't know, when Hitler exterminated 6 million Jews? Yeah, that was a wonderful time to live. Oh, oh do you remember? Oh, back in the good old days when, I don't know, we purchased and sold human beings as property. Yeah, those were the good old, we were so moral back then. Oh, 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 when we denied an entire race, their basic civil rights. Wow, that was, those were the good old days. And so sometimes when people talk about the past, I'm kind of like, is that the actual past or is that your romanticized memory of it. And, and and people, when they get older, they'll do that about everything. Well, the music in my day was better. The TV shows were, and it's this weird, like, if, if you experience something, especially has a lot to do with the way the brain is, is being formed, or the way the brain is maturing and developing, is that, and, and, and at that time, how you're certain chemicals in your body and your mind is developing and you experience something, it has a, a greater impact on you because of everything happening inside of you, the, the chemicals in your mind, and it locks it in. 
boom. And and you almost like that's that was the best time ever. And I that drives me crazy. I, like I, I I don't like nostalgia. I don't like looking back. I like looking forward. I, I when it comes to music, I want to know. I want to listen to the music now. I don't want to get caught in live, just living in the past about anything. Uh, so I, I it, there's just something about that that bothers me. But I do think some people have a romanticized version of the past, and I think theologically. We seem to forget, and this is a kind of a major thesis I want you to consider. I don't care where you go. I don't go. I don't care if you go back to 1200 AD, 1200 BC. I don't care where you go back in time. I don't care how far back you go. This is true of every decade, of every generation, of every year, of every month, of every day. Human beings in every context have been depraved sinners and that depravity and its sin has manifested itself. Yes, in certain times, because of society, maybe that depravity was more hidden. Maybe it wasn't celebrated. Maybe it wasn't pushed forward, but it was still there. It was still prevalent. And no matter how much we want to romanticize it, that's the reality so sometimes it's funny. If you listen to people talk about the past, they almost give a romanticized version of it. But if you go read the literature of that time at that time, they're like, this is as bad as it could be. The world is falling apart. It's horrible. And it's like, wait a minute. So people later look back about how great it was. But the people at the time were talking about how bad it was. So sometimes I think our perceptions is all messed up, and you can do whatever you would like with that. That That's just free of charge. I thought I would just at least throw that in. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this. Now, Here, here's what we have. Dr. Chester Tolga, T-U-L-G-A. Dr. Chester Tolga, who was a Baptist fundamentalist, wrote a seven-point conclusion in his 1954 booklet, The Doctrine of Right and wrong in these times. So he wrote a seven-point conclusion in his 1954 booklet, The Doctrine of Right and Wrong in These Times. At this moment, I have not been able to locate the booklet, The Doctrine of Right and Wrong in These Times. So I am only going with the fact that this article claims these were the seven points that he concluded with. I cannot verify that, but I'm going with this article. Now, I'm going to try to track down the, the booklet, The Doctrine of Right and Wrong, written by Dr. Chester Tolga, T-U-L-G-A. If we can find it, if we can make it into a PDF format, and if it's not copyrighted, we'll make the, the PDF available to everyone on the Church One app, because I think that would be interesting. Maybe we could do something on the entire booklet, because I would be interested to see what he was when he talked about the doctrine of right and wrong in these times. Please note the name of the booklet, The Doctrine of Right and Wrong in These Times. The times he's referring to is 1954. All right? So this article says, consider the truth of his words. Consider the truth of his words. Here we go. Number one. There's, this is as part of his seven-point conclusion. Again, Dr. Chester Tolga from his booklet written in 1954, The Doctrine of Right and Wrong in These Times. Here's number one. 
our times, now when he says our times, he's referring to 1954, our times are characterized by deep uncertainty concerning truth and morality, resulting in an alarming moral confusion which has corrupted the world and deeply infected the churches. Wait, what? Does that not sound like someone, something that someone would preach or say in 2023? Wait, wait, wait. So, so wait a minute. In 1954, there, there was this problem, and, and it sounds like 2023. Does it sound like 2023 to you? Let me read it again. Here we go. Listen carefully. You may want to write this down. Right. In fact, I'm gonna uh, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna take all seven of these uh, seven point conclusions, and I will public I will post these seven point conclusions in the Discord channel, and it, and I may have someone take these seven point conclusions and turn it into a PDF file, and then we will say at least share the seven point conclusion. Now, I won't do that until the end of the series, until we get through all seven. But for now, here's number one. Listen carefully. Our times. Now, if I had this on paper. I would take a pencil right here, and above our times, I would put 1954, just to remind myself, this person is referring to 1954, and he says this, our times are characterized by deep uncertainty concerning truth and morality, resulting in an alarming moral confusion which has corrupted the world and deeply infected the churches. Now, what in night? If you were to go back and think th- think this through, what in nineteen fifty four was leading to such deep uncertainty con- tr- uh, concerning truth and morality, not only in society but it was also impacting the church? How is the church being impacted by a sense of uncertainty when it comes to truth and morality and that it was leading to moral confusion which had corrupted the church or had infected the church? Now, now we, we could sit here and try. And now, look, I mean, it's just hard to believe that that's in 1954 because people today would be like, the church today, it's, it's falling apart. And it's, well, I mean, what was going on in 1954? I'll read that one more time. Our times are characterized by deep uncertainty concerning truth and morality, resulting in an alarming moral confusion which has corrupted the world and deeply infected the church. Here's number two. The prevailing liberal theology of our day, once again, that's referring to 1954, The prevailing liberal theology of our day reflects this moral confusion and its emphasis upon love rather than holiness and its disregard of ethical values and formulating its doctrinal views and its tolerance of sin and the lives of its ministers and churches. Wow. Oh, there's a lot we could say here. There's a lot we could say here. There's something I'm definitely going to point out here, but let's read these two together. Okay. I want you to just, this is your today's focus, uh, 1954, meet 2023. And we're looking at these seven points written in a book, uh, in a booklet in 1954. Here we go. Here's number one. 
Our times are characterized by deep uncertainty concerning truth and morality, resulting in an alarming moral confusion which has corrupted the world and deeply infected the churches. Number two. Now, this is interesting. The, the focus here is on the, the, what they refer to as the prevailing liberal theology of 1954. And, it re- and this reflects the moral confusion in its emphasis upon love rather than holiness, its disregard of ethical values and formulating its doctrinal views, and its tolerance of sin in the lives of its ministers and churches. Now, I really want you to pay close attention to number two. And I want you to listen to this very, this is such an important point, all right? So if you don't get anything else from this today, at least get this point. Throughout church history, Over and over and over again, whenever an immediate crisis arises, whenever there's an immediate issue, whether it's liberal theology and they're emphasizing love over holiness, where they're basically disregarding maybe moral standards and they become morally lax, I guess, according to the way this reads, whenever something happens like this, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a theological issue, doesn't matter if it's a moral issue, doesn't matter if it's a sin issue, whatever the issue is. Here's, this, this is so true in church history. Typically, whatever the response is to it, like there'll be this response, but, but within the response, there'll be a more, there'll be an accurate, biblical, balanced response, but there will also be somewhere within the church, a response that goes to an equal and opposite error. Whatever the issue may be. So sometimes when, when church is looking like, look at this liberal theology, all they care about is love. They don't care about holiness. They don't care about ethical standards within the church. They, they have abandoned all of this. Someone will come along and yes, they will respond in a biblical and balanced way, but you can always find that there will be someone that will respond by going to a completely equal and opposite error. And I can guarantee you, that there, this begin, and and I, I and I guarantee you begin to see this probably even at this time, and we could even go back to the to the to the nineteen the beginning of the nineteen hundreds. We could get to the the liberal theology and the higher criticism that was coming in from uh, from uh, Germany and from Europe, and we could see kind of a a new the evangelical movement, and then there were those who who basically rejected and responded to kind of this evangelical being influenced by higher criticism, kind of a more liberal theology. And we can see that what happened, there was a major split that occurred. And in many went to what would be called the fundamentalist. Now, at the beginning, the fundamentalists just fought for the fundamentals of the faith that was being denied by higher criticism, right? Their attack of scripture and, and dating of scripture and authorship of scripture. That, that, and that was all good. They stood for the fundamentals of the faith. But little over time, like say right here in 1954, I think it occurred before this, but I think this article is giving us a, a good indication of what was happening there were those who were like, look at that liberal theology. It's all about love, and it's all about not taking a stand for standards. You know that within fundamentalism, going from the 50s, 60s, 70s into the 80s, fundamentalism stopped becoming about the fundamentals of the faith, and it started becoming about these supposed standards. 
And it almost instituted, and listen, this is very important, almost a legalistic response to the error of liberal theology. It became about rules. It became about a list. It became about an external righteousness over an internal righteousness. It became about law versus gospel. It began to merge law and gospel. And that, because it was combating, it was combating an error. They're like, hey, and so the, the motive was right. The fight was right, but the response was wrong. Whenever you're upset about a specific doctrine or a specific practice in the church, you can't respond with an equal and opposite error. You, you have to avoid that. If you, if you look at the church and you're like, look at that, it's being hijacked by a liberal, progressive, political point of view. You may be right about that, but you don't turn around and respond to this liberal, progressive, political hijacking of the church by turning to a church that is completely hijacked by a right-leaning, conservative political viewpoint. Because we're not to, the church needs to be rid of all of its political hijacking and all of its political influence and get back to being a place that, that focused on scripture and the word of God and, and doctrine and theology. But so once again, we see a, a response. So in 1954, they were like, look, look, man, the church, the, the, uh, the, the, our times are characterized by a deep uncertainty concerning truth and morality, resulting in an alarming moral confusion, which has corrupted the world and deeply infected the church. Okay. All right. So something's going on, but what's your solution? And then number two, the prevailing liberal theology of our day reflects this moral confusion and its emphasis upon love rather than holiness and its disregard of ethical values and formulating its doctrinal views and its tolerance of sin in the lives of its ministers and churches. Well, well what became the solution to that was a very legalistic, very external focused, external righteousness focused fundamentalism, which which really in some cases begin to neglect the fundamentals of the faith for the fundamentals of an external righteousness and rule keeping, which then begin to merge law and gospel. And, and as a result, you get people who had an external form of righteousness, but in many cases was doctrinally and theologically illiterate. Now, what happened is some people rejected the hardcore legalist fundamentalist. And so they respond to those by going to, we're going to worry about doctrine and theology. And sometimes they, they so abandon righteousness that they became great at their doctrine and their theology, but they didn't care about how they lived. There's always these extremes that emerges within the church. We can never respond to the situation of our times by embracing an equal and opposite error. But when you read some of this about 1954, does it not sound like 2023? I can, I can hear people in 2023 saying some of that about liberal churches. I, I, can, I can hear many in the church today and on Christian podcasts and in sermons talk about the the uncertainty concerning truth and morality and, and the alarming moral confusion that has swept across our culture and how it's deeply infecting the churches. Those exact words could be written about 2023 and people would be like, amen. But they're from 1954. So here's the question. Why hasn't anything changed? 
It could be that some of our solutions are just the equal and opposite error, making nothing better for anyone. Could be that the real problem is human depravity. <laughs> and there's, ne- there's never an easy solution to fixing that because that remains even after salvation. It may mean that the church so many times uh, adopts solutions to problems that the solution really isn't a solution. It's just an activity. It's just another ministry. It's another way for someone to make some money selling a book. It's another way for a ministry to now grow in power because they supposedly have the solution to the supposed problem. And after years later, we find out they didn't really resolve or or solve. They didn't resolve anything. They They didn't fix the problem. So what do you think about these two points from 1954? I will conclude by reading them one more time. Our times are characterized by deep uncertainty concerning truth and morality, resulting in an alarming moral confusion which has corrupted the world and deeply infected the churches. Number two, the prevailing liberal theology of our day reflects this moral confusion and its emphasis upon love rather than holiness and its disregard of ethical values in formulating its doctrinal views and its tolerance of sin and the lives of its ministers and churches. Love to get your thoughts today. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I can't wait to hear from you. I'd love to get your thoughts and perspective on this. Please share them uh, also in the Discord channel. And, uh, well, we'll be back live on the air shortly, and we'll once again take up our investigation into the world of pastors buying their sermons. It's been a crazy series so far, and we'll start that. Uh, we'll, we'll try to conclude at least the, the current thing that we're working on in regards to that subject And we'll try to do that here in the next 10 to 15 minutes. But this has been your Today's Focus, where I try to give you one thing to focus on for your day. These are supposed to be 15 minutes long. As you can see, I never keep it there, but it's it's the goal, all right? So that is your Today's Focus for Friday, January the 20th, 2023.